Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. This morning we are looking at Psalm 1. I told you guys last week that we're going to be doing that. But before we walk through the text, let me just pray. So Father, we know and believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so I pray, God, that our faith would increase. Lord, your word is truth. I pray that you would sanctify us in the truth. Lord, we thank you that we've had some songs sung over us this morning, and maybe we've sung along uh, in our living rooms or wherever we are, we pray, Lord God, that you would bless the preaching of your word and that the, the faith of the saints would be helped this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I told you that we're going to be looking at Psalm 1. Now, we all have apps on our phone, and every one of us have an, has an app that we're like, this is my favorite one. Well, the, my favorite app on my iPhone is Waze, or as some people I know call it, Waze. Now, the reason why I really like Waze is because it gives me good directions. It tells me the best way to go if I want to get where I'm going in a, in a good time. Now, Psalm 1 is like that. It tells us the best way to go if we want to live a life that is blessed. See, what the psalm is going to teach us is that we are blessed when we live by the wisdom of the word, not the wisdom of the world. Now take that in. We are blessed when we live by the wisdom of the word, not the wisdom of the world. Now, I told you that I liked Waze. What I didn't tell you, though, is that I doubt Waze all the time. That Waze will be telling me, go this way, take a left here, take a right there, take this highway. And I'm like, ah, I don't know, maybe I should try another way. And sometimes Kim's like, just follow the direction. And see, the way I doubt Waze, we can sometimes doubt the word of God. Now, this, this is not a new temptation. It's an old one. Genesis 3 says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So God had told Adam and Eve, here is the best way to live. Here's the instructions to follow if you truly want to be blessed. And Satan comes and he says, can you really trust that? He, he introduces doubt in the word of God. And again, Satan's still doing that today. The, the temptation is strong and it's real but we're not to doubt the word of God. We are to trust the word of God and do the word of God. And and when we do the word of God, when we take this way that Psalm 1 is going to present, we will be blessed. Now, look at verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So we're, we're told what the blessed person says no to. 
They reject the counsel of the wicked. They, they reject the way of sinners. They do not sit in the seat of scoffers. They, these words here, counsel, stand, and sit, are really talking about thinking, behavior, and belonging. See, the blessed person does not follow advice and thinking that's truly anti-God. They don't follow that. They don't do things that grieve the heart of God. They don't, they don't join groups that disrespect and, and, uh, uh, and make fun and mock the things of God. The way I reject camping, the way I reject pizza with pineapples, the way I reject chicken with no seasoning, the blessed person rejects all that is evil. See, a verse like this, what it's, what it's doing and what it should do is it should make us pause and check ourselves. It should cause a little bit of self-reflection to roll into our life. And it should make us ask, have I embraced thinking that is anti-God? Have I, am I acting in a way right now in my private and in my public life that really is grieving the heart of God? Am I doing anything like that? We need to ask that question. Have I bought into a group or a movement that, that may get some things right when you look at it? They may get some things right, but when you actually look deeply into it, it's truly anti-God. See, one of the things that we need to be doing right now as Christians, because there's so many movements, there's so many groups out there, we need to look into them and we need to say, what can I say yes to, but what must I say no to because I'm truly a child of God? And when I really look at that thing, it's anti-God. This verse also speaks to the lie that ultimate happiness can be found without God. God makes it clear here from the word that true lasting happiness, that the, the blessed man, the blessed person, the blessed woman is the one who is embracing his way, not the way of the culture. There's one other thing that needs to be said on this. This, this verse is not saying do not spend any time with non-Christians. It's, it's not telling us to, to pull away from people who don't share our faith. It's not doing that. What it's saying is that we are not to adopt the attitude and lifestyle of people who don't share our faith. And Jesus is the best example of this. He spent all kinds of times with, with unbelievers. But what you'll notice when you read the Gospels, and I'll challenge you to do it, go and read the Gospels and watch Jesus. And what you notice is Jesus is influencing them. They're not influencing him. And that is the way it's supposed to be with us. Rosaria Butterfield said, Jesus dined with sinners, but he did not sin with sinners. Jesus lived in the world, but he did not live like the world. This is the Jesus paradox. This is how we are supposed to be following his example. So the text tells us what the, the blessed person says no to, but it also tells us what the blessed person says yes to. Verse two, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. The blessed person is influenced by the word. They're influenced by the word. The, the word law, if you have an ESV, should have a footnote beside it. And when you look down, it, you should see that it's actually talking, that this word is really talking about instructions, teaching, guidelines. And this is 
should change the way we think about the word. See, the word of God is not something that is meant to weigh us down. It doesn't weigh us down. It's meant to help us. It's like a, it's like an Ikea instruction booklet. It shows us the way to live for our good and for the glory of God. That's what the word does. The word of God is a means of grace in our life. And we are blessed, blessed truly when we follow what it says. Now it says that, that the blessed person delights in the word. Now, if we're honest, we have moments where we're not delighting in the word. I've, I've been in that spot where it doesn't feel like delight. Where We have moments where we're, we're in a place of doubt, not delight. We have moments where we're in a place where it feels like duty, not delight. We're in a place where sometimes it feels like discouragement because we're just, I just don't get it. In these moments, what we can do and need to do is embrace two things, discipline and dependence. Discipline and dependence. That is what needs to happen. Discipline means sometimes we have to read the word even when we don't feel like it. It's like going to the gym. It's like working out. I don't always feel like it, but it's good for me to do it. And so sometimes there just needs to be discipline. But then there's also dependence. And that is us asking God to bring joy, to bring faith, to bring delight, walking in dependence on God when it comes to reading the word. Like it says in Psalm 119 verse 18, we can ask God to open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in the word. The the door, the, the way, let me say it this way, the way to delight is through the door of discipline and dependence. That is the way to get to delight. Discipline and dependence. Verse 2 again says, on his law, he meditates day and night. This verb meditate means to ponder. It means to reflect. It, also, it could also be talking about this kind of murmuring under your breath. See, we sit and we read the word quietly, but back in this culture, you, you kind of read it just kind of murmuring under your breath out loud. And that is what it's talking about. The Blessed person turns the word of God over in their minds. They think hard about the will of God. They think hard about the, but what, the, what the full gospel looks like, that God actually cares about people's physical and their spiritual well-being and what God wants in the world. They think hard about what a just society looks like. They think hard about what good gospel living looks like. Derek Kidner says, whatever shapes a person's thinking shapes their life. Whatever shapes a person's thinking shapes their life. Thinking leads to doing. Thinking leads to doing. Joshua 1 verse 8. This is why God says this to Joshua. Look what he says. He says, this book of the law, instruction, guidelines, teaching, shall not depart from your mouth. But what? But you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? so that you may be careful to do according to what is written in it. So it's not just loading ourselves with Bible knowledge. It's this turning and actually doing. Knowing has to turn into doing. And when we're doing the word of God, 
We are blessed. When we're in the word of God, we're asking for the wisdom of God in our life and it helps us to reject the wrong and foolish wisdom of the culture. Delighting, meditating on the word always brings good results. Look at verse three, it says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. He prospers. The, the tree here is us. The, 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 the water is the word. And the way the water makes the tree grow, the word makes the believer grow. Jeremiah 17 says, blessed, there's that word again, is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. When we, when we open the word, we are, we are declaring, I trust God. I need his voice in my life. I want his voice in my life. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. And it does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for he does not cease to bear fruit. When we are in the word, what we are doing is we are sending out roots to be watered. And as we do that, we bear fruit. Look, it says that, the, that the, it yields its fruit in its season. See it there in verse 3? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. There's a fruitfulness. There's a rootedness. The, the word of God grounds us. The word of God makes us stable. The word of God makes us fruitful. This is what happens when we're abiding. Jesus talked about this. When we're abiding, we are stable. It's hard for things to kind of mess with us. Circumstances don't bump us off of our trust in God. We are stable. And then there's this fruitfulness that comes. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. This is in John 15. He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing, Jesus says. The, the abiding person is truly blessed and they are consistently fruitful. They're consistently fruitful. It says that it happens in its season. That's, that, what that's saying is that when we are supposed to bear fruit, we bear it. When we are supposed to bear the fruit of worship, we bear it. When we're supposed to bear the fruit of obedience, we bear it. When we're supposed to bear the fruit of the Spirit, a life that blesses Others, we bear it. When we are to bear the fruit of repentance, we bear it. This understanding that, that I, we are not perfect, that we sin, that we still need God's grace and forgiveness. We bear that fruit by asking for it. We don't do these things perfectly, but we do it consistently. And then it says that its leaves, its leaves do not wither. And that is because it's connected to the stream. See, if you have no time in the word, what you're asking is for your spiritual life to shrivel up. That's what you're actually asking for, for it to shrivel up and die. Time in the word is essential. Now, let me say this. There is no one size fits all approach to this. This was one of the mistakes I made early as a husband. When, when Kim and I got married, I was convinced that she had to read the word of God the way I read it. But we're different. Different approaches, different personalities, different even seasons 
of life. There's not a one-size-fits-all way to approach the Word. Reading the Word needs to be Spirit-led. It has to be led by the Spirit. And so if the Word, if the Spirit is saying to you that you are to listen right now to, through the Word, then do that. If the, 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 the Spirit is saying that it needs to be at night because of your schedule, then do that. If He's saying read it through for an entire year, then you do that. If he's saying stay in one spot for a while so you can kind of go deeper in one specific place, maybe the gospel or something like that, then do that. What we need to have simply, though, is just a heart that's committed to reading it all in a way that is led by the Spirit and wise for where we are in our life. Wisdom here. That's why when people ask me, I rarely share how I read because I don't want somebody to think that the way I do it is the way they have to do it that they have to adopt my way. We simply need to just be committed to doing it and led by the Spirit. And then it says, in all that he does, he prospers. Now, this is not a verse promising unlimited success in life. This is not a prosperity theology verse. That's not what's going on here. See, the, what's, what it's saying is that the person who meditates on the Word, the person who delights in the Word, they will walk in obedience to the Word. That's how they prosper. That is success. See, successful living is walking in obedience. You might look at your life right now, and you're like, I don't feel like I'm a success. My question to you is, are you obeying the word? Because if you are, you are a success. You are living in successful ways because you're following the wisdom of the word, not the wisdom of the world, the culture. This is the road to blessing. See, the wisdom of the culture leads nowhere good. Look at verse 4. It says, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff, that the wind drives away. A life that is rooted in evil and sin has no stability. Uh, a life that is the person that's committed to that way of living is actually driven from the presence of of God. The, the contrast here is strong. We shouldn't miss it. The, this strong contrast that is happening, that the that the tree is stable and fruitful, but, the, but that the, the chaff is weak and useless. See, it's taking the way of the wicked, the text is trying to teach us, is dangerous. It's dangerous. And there's a word here for the Christian and there's a word for the non-Christian. For the, the non-Christian, with all due respect to you, you need to understand that you're on a dangerous path. If you have chosen to reject the word of God, that you're on a dangerous path, but that there's a way off that path. The way off that path is faith in the, the, in the Son of God, the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, that He gets you onto the path of righteousness, and you get on that path by believing the gospel, and that is the way you get yourself out of danger. And to the Christian, you might be in a spot right now where you are deeply tempted to buy into the wisdom of the world. To, to go that way, to adopt the lifestyle and attitude and thinking. But this is a warning here. There's a warning. It's saying there's two paths and one leads to blessing and one leads to misery. And the word is saying, take the path of blessing. Stay on that path, Christian and non-Christian. Get on the path through faith in Jesus Christ. The verse also as the idea here of usefulness. Cheon pointed this out for me. He says that the, the, the weed is kept because it's useful. 
And the chaff is blown away because it's useless. See, when we are delighting in the work of God, we become useful in the work of God. Let me say it again. When we are delighting in the word of God, we become useful in the word of God. And I can tell you that this was a good word for my own soul to hear. Because I'm sort of actively in the work of God all the time. And and it's, and it's sometimes really difficult because you're always around it to really delight. But I, it, I was just reminded by the Holy Spirit that, that I am to fight for delight because as your pastor, I really want to be useful in the work that God has called me to. And so hear from me, to pray for me that I would delight, to pray for our elders, to pray for Shay, to, to pray for the leaders in our church, that we would delight in the word so that we can be useful. And it's the same thing for you. If you want to be useful in the work of God, there needs to be a delighting in the word. And that is how we, be, we are blessed and we become a blessing to other people. Rejecting the word does not end well. It's like trying to hug a bear or grabbing a skunk by its tail. That's just not a good idea. But when we delight in the word, the written word and the word made flesh, things go really well. Look at verse five. It says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. This word therefore tells us that the the writer here is starting to sum things up. He's getting to his Big conclusion, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Why? For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Again, we are at this big conclusion. This word know here is important. Alan Ross said, knows is the opposite of will perish. Thus, it is a knowledge that saves. If the Lord knows them, so if the Lord knows this person who's delighting in the word, they will not perish. It says, yeah, but he, if he does not know them, they will. The person who is truly blessed is known by God. This word know here is a, is a, is a, a word of, it's a, a, of relationship, that, they, that they're in a relationship with God, that they're walking with God, that the, the blessed person, what this is telling us, is saved at the day of judgment because they're known by God. They're walking with God. And it's all because of the grace of God. All the way through this psalm, we've been hearing about two types of people, the wicked and the righteous, the wicked and the righteous, the wicked and the righteous, the way of the wicked, the way of the righteous. And what it should make you do is ask, who are the wicked and who are the righteous? That's just, that's just good, a good way when you're reading the Bible. Ask questions. Who is this talking about? Who are the wicked and who are the righteous? Well, the wicked is us. The wicked is humanity. Romans 3 verse 10 says, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one does good. And this is speaking of us because it's because we have all taken the way of the wicked. We've gone that way. We have had moments where I've had moments where we rejected the word of God. I wasn't a Christian until I was 25. I grew up around the word, going to uh, going to church with my with my mom, but I was completely rejected it all. We've all had moments like that. We've all have times where we've behaved sinfully, where we have done things that have grieved the heart of God, that we've mocked God with our 
living. We have not done good, but Jesus Christ has always done good. Always done good. He never sinned. He lived a completely sinless life. He treated people with mercy and grace and compassion. He had he brought joy to his father's heart. He was fruitful all of his life. There was never a time in the life of Jesus Christ where he did not bear fruit. He delighted in the word of God. He delighted in it so much in the law of God that he perfectly fulfilled it. In John 3, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This commitment to doing the word of God. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing that, of all that he has given me, but, I, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and will be raised up on the last day. This is the promise to us that we will be raised up on the last day. This is what is going to happen. This is what we are going to receive, but it's not what we deserve. It's not that what we deserve, but this is what we will receive. Why? All because the truly righteous man, Jesus Christ, the truly blessed man, he hung on the cross like he was a wicked man. He hung there for us, the wicked. See, Jesus is the truly righteous man who saves unrighteous people, you and me, all because of his grace. And when we're delighting in the word, when we go from the beginning to the end, however that looks for your life, we are reminded of this constantly, that we are a people who are in need of the one who is truly righteous, Jesus Christ, because we are not righteous. Delighting in the word, when we're doing that, we are blessed. We are being guided by the wisdom of God. And we're being reminded that it's through Jesus Christ that we are truly blessed, that we are saved in the end. The way to be blessed in your life is to live by the wisdom of the word, not the wisdom of the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wisdom that we have seen in the word. Lord, I hope that our hearts would have been refreshed, that our hearts would have been encouraged, Lord God, by what we have heard. I pray, God, that there would be a increase in our faith and a deep appreciation for Jesus Christ, the truly righteous one who died in our place for a people who can be wicked at times, who need grace at all times. And God, thank you that you've shown it to us. You've shown it to us in sending your son You've shown it to us by giving us your word. You've shown it to us by filling us with, with the spirit who resides in us, who gives us the power to walk in the word. I pray, Lord God, that we would do that with this week, that we would follow the wisdom of the word, not the wisdom of the culture, and that you would be glorified in it all, I pray, for your glory and our good. I pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ, who has given us access to you. It's in his name we pray. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.